interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Uh, Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Uh, it's uh, one of those late uh, game days today, and so here on, uh, you still have a friendly fire. Sometimes if it's an early kickoff, there is no friendly fire. I know you're broken hearted about that. It hurts your feelings. You feel sad. You want to, like, protest and all those kind of things, but please, stay calm. Stay calm. We all love Husker football, and we're going to get through this together. And if there is a if there is an early game, then, uh, hey, you get pregame. I get pregame. We all get pregame. It'll be great. Uh, and it's going to be a great day today, and who knows? Maybe today is the day we we uh, get back on the winning trail and we take down the Hoosiers. Uh, that would be great, wouldn't it? I'll be there. I'll be wearing red, and you can you can see me in North Stadium somewhere there. I'm pleased to have with me in studio today uh, an old friend and an and a sheriff for a number of years, Sheriff Terry Wagner. Welcome. Good morning, Stu. It's great to be here. That's <laughs> good to have you. The uh, how long have you been the sheriff? Been a sheriff 28 years now. 28. That's a long time. Yep, seven terms. So. Seven terms. Wow. Uh, and uh, you are running for re-election. We'll talk about that in, yep. in due okay. course and everything. Um, but do you, by the way, do you go to any of the football games like I do? I don't. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll make about one game a year, Check mainly just to check out security arrangements. We have yep. quite a bit of staff in the stadium as well. And so I just kind of like to make sure. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and we work closely with the university police uh, in that regard. Yeah. And it's a yeah. So I'll go and, and uh, handle that and watch the game. I went to a game a couple of weeks ago, um, three weeks ago, I guess it was, at the at the uh, request of a friend, and it was kind of fun. It's enjoyable. Yeah, that must have been the one that we won. <laughs> yes, it was. As a yeah. matter of fact, <laughs> <laughs> those are much more enjoyable. It's been. I didn't realize that that game, the guy I was attending with, he said, uh, do you realize that we were on eight-game losing streak it's going back to last season, and that's the first game that broke it? Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But we're going we're gonna to get this ship straightened out. No problem at all. Uh, well, a little bit of a problem, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Uh, so 28 years, and what did you do uh, before being sheriff? Well, I was a deputy sheriff, you know, for um, 18 years before I got elected. So mm -hmm. I started out. Uh, in 1976 as a radio dispatcher, mm -hmm. um, and then I um, got got commissioned later on in that uh, summer, and, um, you know, I, I was just a, a regular deputy sheriff doing what deputy sheriffs do. In 1994, you know, I decided to run for office, and I was successful and have uh, run every uh, term since then unopposed except for this one. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've been very fortunate. Yeah, I didn't think there had been a whole lot of uh, opposition along the way. No, the, th the, first, uh, the first election was a nail-biter. I only won by 611 votes. Oh, wow. I had a very uh, able and, and good opponent, uh, Jim Pichon, who went on to become Lincoln Police Chief, and, and a very collegial campaign. It wasn't uh, nasty mm -hmm. at, by any means. We were colleagues. We worked together a lot mm -hmm. before, and we knew we'd be working a lot together afterward, regardless yeah. of the outcome. So. Yeah. Uh, all things were good. Think about, uh, go with me back in time now a little bit, if we're all the way back to the 70s versus how things are today. Yeah. So you've, you've got between the 18 and the 28, again, you've got a, a lifetime. Yeah, 40, I got 46 years on the job now. And, and you know, when I started, we had a, a patrol car that uh, we didn't have AM radios in our cars. Uh, 
They were pretty bare bones. I think the first patrol car that I had was the first year we had air conditioning in our cars, and that was a 1975 Plymouth. And, um, you know, there was a radio head and a, a switch for the red lights and a and a control for the siren, and that was it. That was it. And, um, you know, as time progressed, we, you know, got mobile radar units in every vehicle. We got in-car cameras. Um, and they really started to evolve into kind of a mobile office. Mm-hmm. Now all of our cars have mobile data computers in them. Uh, mm-hmm. Deputies are dispatched via that. It's really... Uh, um, it's kind of mind-boggling to see the technology. I remember it's been about 10 years ago now where the cost of the equipment in our vehicles cost more than the car itself. Really? Yes. So, uh, you know, so you might spend $35,000 for a car, but you're going to spend 30000 or forty for the equipment in those cars. So, wow. It, it's a... It's really evolved a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the technology has evolved. Uh, I assume the numbers of uh, officers has grown as the community's grown. Yes, as, you know when I uh, when I took office, we had sixty deputy sheriffs. We've got eighty four now. Hmm. So just about one uh, deputy sheriff per year increase. Hmm. Just to keep up with, you know, we, we're really kind of divided into two separate groups. You know, we have our patrol deputies who. Those are the men and women that you see every day in patrol cars. They respond to motor vehicle crashes, calls for service, crimes in progress, those kinds of things. And then you have the rest of our office that are involved in in duties that are statutorily mandated for sheriffs. Courtroom security, civil mm-hmm. process, sex offender registration, um, those kinds of, of tasks. So, yeah, we're, we're just about split on, on the duties there on, on how we handle those. Mm. That uh, so, uh, more officers, more technology, uh, but the nuts and bolts of the job again, uh, you know, helping people, yep. keeping order. Uh, is there anything, any dramatic changes in uh, in in the kind of the nuts and bolts of the job itself? Well, it's really gotten um, a lot more violent. Mm. Um, you know, it used to be so rare for us to stop somebody or arrest somebody that had a firearm with mm. him, you know, besides hunters, and that doesn't count, but yeah. for for nefarious purposes. Now, it is not uncommon at all for uh, people that are, are hauling, uh, you know, uh, drugs across our state to be armed when they do that. Um, I think they're, you know, they're doing that for their own protection against their, the group they run with. Mm-hmm. Um so we're really, really concerned about the number of guns. And you can just kind of tell that by the number of shootings that have been occurring in and around Lincoln. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had a homicide there in July and at Branch Oak Lake. And so the, the guns are a concern, no mm-hmm. question about it. Mm-hmm. And it has increased over the years. It certainly has. Yeah. And, and a lot of that's tied to the drug trade. Mm. Well, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. There, the uh, now the, in the news cycle now, uh, the big thing is uh, fentanyl, and how uh, fentanyl is just increasing and increasing, and and again, uh, this isn't this is not stuff that's regulated, and so fentanyl can be very deadly and highly addictive. Is that is is that one of the main drivers of uh, of the drug trade? Or well, is- methamphetamine is still our main driver of the, of the drug trade, and okay. that's coming up through Mexico and being uh, hauled across the nation on, on our highways. So meth is still our, our main concern, and it's highly addictive. It really takes over people's lives. And in many cases, because of their addiction, 
they are the criminals that are committing burglaries and and stealing from their grandmothers and grandfathers and and just committing thefts to support their drug habit. Gotcha. So if we could curtail some of the of the drug uh, abuse, I think we could have a huge impact on just property crime in general. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, if you step up a little bit in the drug trade hierarchy, you know, you have people that owe money to other people for narcotics. And mm. uh, and that was the case at Branch Oak Lake where, mm. uh, you know, one man believed the uh, the victim owed him money and, and wasn't paying him and, and shot and killed him um, to send a message to other drug dealers that mm. if you owe me money, you better pay me. Yeah. So, yeah, so that uh, that disregard for human life seems to be an increase as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that, then that's pretty concerning. Yeah. Well, and if you're dealing with people who are, uh, again, in a violent business like that and trying to, and you don't know who you're, you know, you pull over a car, you don't know who you're got there, right? Yep, you, that's you, exactly right. It's uh, every time these interactions take place, there's there's got to be a concern uh, level at some point, right? Yes, there is. And, you know, we have a, a criminal, di- criminal interdiction task force uh, that's uh, a combined unit with Homeland Security, our deputies, and a Lincoln police officer, and and their job is to uh, detect narcotics um, and and the proceeds of the narcotics trafficking across the nation. And mm-hmm. with and those stops have been so so unusual in that you know you're getting people who are wanted and have been for years. We've uh, located children who have been trafficked. Uh, located lots of stolen credit cards, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to the drug trafficking. So it's a kind of a multifaceted sort of arrangement. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna take our first break, then we come back. Uh, we'll talk about. Uh, 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 we'll finish up some of this stuff, and I also want to talk about. Not far from me, there's a casino going in. Okay. And one of the one of the. I, it's funny. I get two different reactions. One is, well, hey, whatever, who cares? And then I'm thinking. I don't know. There's a lot of drinking and things going on not far from my house. And am I going to be safe? And and so uh, I, I'm not sure there's any one answer to that. But uh, see if you know anything from the trends that okay. you've seen in the Midwest. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3. K-L-I-N. We are back at Spring Fire Saturday talking with Sheriff Terry Wagner. And uh, before the break, though, we were talking about the drug trade and everything and, and the increase of, of violence and so forth. One of the things that uh, the Warhorse Casino is just kind of right down the road from me. Right. And they're already, they've already started and things are happening. And it's going to be ex- expanding and tons of jobs and everything like that. Is there... Or, you know, the, I think probably some of the closest, the, some of the Nebraska reservations have casinos. We've got right across the river in, in Council Bluffs. Do you have any data one way or the other that says, hey, when a, when a casino comes in, that crime increases or it stays the same or it doesn't, you know, really no impact or, 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 or is, are we just kind of a wait, in a wait and see mode? Well, I think we're in kind of a wait and see mode and I don't have data to tell you definitively that crime increases. But, you know, I will tell you that there are people. Um, who become addicted to gambling, and they'll they'll go to great lengths to get money to gamble because mm-hmm. that's their addiction. Just like somebody will go to great lengths to get money to buy drugs if they're addicted. Yeah. Same thing happens in gambling, and there's a statewide gambling addiction 
task force. You know, the casino itself, I think, um, you know, they do a great job of having a quality security force on hand. Um, and from from my knowledge of, like, Council Bluffs, there haven't been a lot, huge problems within the casinos themselves. Mm-hmm. I think the residual if, problems that we might see are just what I talked about, habitual gamblers, um, those folks who will mortgage their house. We might see some social uh issues arise because of gambling uh you know somebody mortgages their house or takes a second mortgage out to to be able to gamble more and and finally hit it big and then they lose their house and and so you can see the ramifications of that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so we'll see um um i think that like i said i think the casinos do a great job of uh curtailing people from consuming too much alcohol Mm -hmm. and um and they do a, a pretty good job of uh, maintaining security within the casino. So we'll see if that spills out into the community itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back to the drug issue, The uh, oh, a few years ago I went to drug court. And actually it was drug court graduation. And uh, just this kind of siphoning off people who have a particular issue and trying to give them kind of a narrow path, but a path through that can expunge their record and so forth. Um, does I don't know if you if you have much interaction with drug court or with with those kind of situations. Do you think in general, um, you know, in law enforcement, we tend to have a kind of a one size fits all. You know, we're uh, you keep the law, you you put them into the justice system, and the justice system does what they do. Right um, there, but yet and yet the guy who's uh, running the drug cartel or, or running drugs themselves versus the guy who's addicted and, and trying to get through this. They're all in kind of different kind of situations. Uh, do you do you see benefit to, again, this is kind of after you're done with them, you put them in the system. Do you, do you think the system could use more solutions like that? Well, they're called problem-solving courts. Mm. And Lancaster County has been at the forefront of those problem-solving courts, I believe, uh, about the year 2000, I was on a task force that sort of examined other jurisdictions who had drug courts specifically at that time. And and the premise is that, you know, this person would not be a criminal but for their addiction. Mm. So if we can cure their addiction, they won't be stealing. They won't be committing burglaries. And there's some pretty strict guidelines on who gets admitted there. It can't be a violent crime. It can't be an armed robbery, that sort of mm. thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the statistics have shown a surprisingly high success rate mm. in drug court, in problem-solving courts. So if mm. they can address the root problem, which is the drugs in this case, um, and can get folks – and it's not an easy – it's not an easy task. You know, they have to submit to drug testing uh, on, a, on a real regular basis. Um, if, they, if they test dirty or if they relapse, uh, there's some sanctions. You know, they might have spent a week in jail – or a weekend in jail, whatever the case, whatever the judge decides. But it's been very successful. Uh, some folks have, have relapsed, but I think when you look at recidivism from the prisons and recidivism from the problem-solving courts, it's night and day. Mm. And so, you know, you don't have the folks who are not paying to house them, and they are, uh, you know, becoming hopefully successful members of society when they graduate from drug court and, and have beaten their addiction. The same thing holds true with we have a veterans uh, treatment court now where mm. v- veterans who have come back from their service to our country and then because of 
a PTSD or whatever the case may be, a traumatic brain injuries or whatever, mm-hmm. have started uh, you know, committing crimes like dr- drunk driving, chronic drunk driving, or uh, domestic violence or, or uh, other kinds of, of criminal activity. And, you know, if it can be determined that, you know, if we can treat their root problem, then, then they they won't be a criminal. And that's mm-hmm. the premise there as well. So uh, both are very successful programs and they're very limited on who they accept, mm-hmm. uh, but they uh, they have a high success rate. Mm-hmm. Um, what, speaking of which, the um, one of the things that, that the law enforcement folk, or it, it just seems to me as an outsider, they're, they're being asked to do so much more than what they used to be asked to do in the past. And, and so you've got all kinds of situations where you know, we're expecting law enforcement agents to not only enforce the law, but be counselors and to help, uh, you know, have all kinds of psychological wisdom to kind of guide people through things and everything like that. How is that? How has that changed over the, you know, 48 years? Well, it, it's changed a lot in the mental health uh, realm has really changed a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of these folks, if uh, for us to take somebody into custody because of their mental illness, we have to show that they're menti- mentally ill and dangerous at mm. the time, either to themselves or others. Yeah. And then and then there's a huge gap um, before they reach that threshold where we don't really have any control over them. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll act out their their behavior, they'll break windows, or they'll commit those kinds of uh, crimes like, like vandalism or theft. And then they enter the criminal justice system, which really isn't equipped to handle their mental illness. Mm-hmm. We're equipped to handle the criminal activity, but uh, so um, mental health courts are another emerging problem-solving court across the nation that you may mm-hmm. be seeing here in the future as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think when the regional centers were closed down, uh, we don't have the inpatient treatment like we used to have uh, in years past. And we don't have enough treatment facilities to help all these folks. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they, they relapse and they're just, they're out on the street. Uh, they're suffering a, a mental episode. Uh, they're disturbing to other people. Then we get involved and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we don't treat their mental illness by any means. We treat their criminal behavior, which is, you know, locking them up. And that's not the best thing for them. Yeah, yeah. They're... <laughs> Uh, well, it just—I mean, I—I have great empathy for and sympathy for uh, the law enforcement officers who are, uh, again, uh, they're just ta- the, the task seems so broad these days for the kind of things. And and what do you do when you don't know what you do? <laughs> know what to do? You, you call? Yeah. You call the sheriff. That's right? exactly right. Uh, you know, that's uh, when people don't know what else to do, they call law enforcement and yeah. uh, expect expect us to to fix it, to take care of the, of the problem, and and hopefully we can and. Make some arrangements, but sometimes we can't. Yeah, there is something about just a sheriff's car pulling up and somebody in uniform stepping out, and all of a sudden people. Uh, do you, sorry to use the term, but they kind of sober up a little bit. Well, they behave themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it's it's kind of like being around a pastor. Yeah, you know, That's everybody right. starts checking their checking their language, and it's like, I you know, I'm just a normal guy. I'm not. I, I don't even. I don't even wear a collar or anything like that. You know, so I. I but I've, I've always wondered if I did wear a collar because there's something about the uniform. Yes. And all of a sudden then people are like, oh, that's who you are and that's what you're doing. And it does 
all of a sudden they think about it. Well, it's a, you know, the uniforms are specifically designed to show the the authority uh, you know that that the deputy has yeah. and that the uh, that the people bestow upon them. Yeah. So it's it is it is sobering uh, yeah. for folks to to have an officer show up at their whatever issue they're having and and take care of matters. So yeah, yeah. Okay, I got to take another break. Then we're going to come back. I want to hear about this re-election campaign and uh, rumor word on the street. I think. Well, I heard it from you. Is this may be your your last election cycle? That's right. All right. We'll talk about that in just a minute. You're listening to Friendly Fire here with Sheriff Terry Wagner on uh, the Boys of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's Friendly Friendly Fire Saturday. Uh, Talking today here with uh, Sheriff Terry Wagner. And uh, before the break... Uh, I, I don't think it's a big surprise here, but you're uh, this is uh, you're, you're running for office, and uh, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. Uh, this okay. will be if I'm successful in November. This will be my eighth term of office, and at the end of that term, I'll have 50 years on the job, and that that's enough. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll be ready for uh, I'll be ready for a break, and uh, you know, yeah. uh, it's it's uh, it's been a great great career. It really has been. Uh, I've really enjoyed. Making an impact, uh, having making a difference in people's lives, and so it's been very rewarding. Yes. Well, uh, let me just say on behalf of the listeners out there, uh, thank you. Thank we, you. We appreciate you serving this community for all that time, and uh, that's a uh, uh, that's just an amazing. There aren't that many people who do fifty years of anything. I know it. Yeah. You know. So that's uh, that's as you as you reflect on that. Um, Okay, it's but there's a time when you're you're ready to be done. Are there anything on the on the if you look down in the future that you'd like to be able to do? Because it's a very demanding job. You know, I I don't want to carry a gun every day. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's a big deal. Uh, I just I don't. I'm tired of carrying a gun every day. Mm. And uh, you know, uh, my wife and I want to do some traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, my bucket list is every major league baseball diamond in the, in the Ooh. nation. So we want to, you know, do some traveling and hit those baseball stadiums and just have a little fun doing yeah, that, yeah. and uh, and do some more traveling and that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, well, uh, again, fifty years. Wow. And fifty years of carrying a gun. Yeah. Uh, that was. Uh, you know, one of the speaking of which, I think in the unicameral now they're trying to again this uh, uh, open carry uh, kind of law. Right. And uh, I honestly, I don't have a strong feeling about it one way or the other. I, 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 I don't conceal and carry. I, there are people at the church who do for safety and security. And uh, so I, I appreciate those who do. I'm glad I don't have to be one that does. Do you have any feelings about that one way or the other? You know, I've talked with my – well, I'll go back to when the carry concealed law was passed in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Pretty controversial. Uh, law enforcement was kind of divided on the issue, whether or not that was going to be a safety issue for our employees. Because the last thing I ever want to have happen is to lose one of my guys on my watch. Yep. The fact of the matter is law-abiding citizens who are willing to go through the training and pay the fee and get their carry concealed permit are not – our problem children. Yeah. It, it's the the criminals. They're they're never going to do it legally anyway, and so mm-hmm. they're going to carry guns whether they're prohibited by law from doing so, and they're certainly not going to go through a, a licensing uh, procedure to be able to carry. So, I, I I have talked with colleagues in other states that have the, the open or the constitutional carry. That's what it's called. 
and it just hasn't been has not been a problem for them. Um, again, the same the the legal people do it legally. The folks who who aren't going to do it legally under any circumstances still aren't going to do it legally. Yeah. So, um, I I don't have any uh, big heartburn should that pass. I think it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think one of the things that you know we we tell deputies and we talked about this earlier about the number of guns is you just have to when you stop a car have to assume that the person in the car is armed, mm-hmm. and you ask them. And uh, in most cases, if they're doing it legally, they'll say yes, I am, and Mm-hmm. And then you, you have it retrieved, you make it safe, and, and carry on with your business. Yeah. So, yeah, we went to Canada recently, and and the border was much more uh, involved than I remembered years ago. It was like, hey, can we go? And it was, I don't even think we needed a passport years ago. Right, you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Now it's not just a passport. It turns out there's an app you have to fill out in advance, and you have to have a thing on your phone and do the whole thing. And then they asked me multiple times about, you know, do you have a firearm with you? Uh, no. Do you own firearms? Well, I live on an acreage. Sure, I have a shotgun, you know, but it's not with me. You sure you don't have a, 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 a gun that you forgot about, you know, in your glove box? No. And so, you know, I had them look everywhere. And I was just amazed at the, uh, uh, again, it seems like at every point, whether it's a border or uh, the, the, there is this tremendous, tremendous concern, and especially up north. Uh, is it, Again, my experience is kind of like yours. The people who who carry the guns, I know the people in my congregation who do, and mm-hmm. they're they're the kind of people you want carrying a gun yeah. for the most part. Yep. Uh, I I don't know. Has has that gone up over the years? The number of people who want to do conceal and carry and do that training? Absolutely. Um, you know, during COVID, it, it really the inquiries went up quite a bit, and we don't issue mm-hmm. those permits. State Patrol does, but just the people asking me. But there, there's some concern there, too, because somebody say, you know, I've never owned a handgun, but I'm going to go buy one, and I want to get a carry concealed permit. And be, being a handgun person is a very perishable skill. You need to practice. You need to know what you're doing with it. You need to know what to do if your weapon jams on you. And if you're going to use it for self-protection or, you know, on a daily carry basis, you need to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody's not willing to make that commitment, they shouldn't do that. Yeah, home defense, whole different story. Um, shotgun's probably your best uh, home defense weapon. Um, mm-hmm. It takes the least amount of skill to, uh, you know, have something happen downrange from you. So, uh, yeah, it just depends what you want to do with a weapon, and how much you want to commit to uh, to being proficient with that weapon. Yeah, yeah. I've found that just even the sound of cocking a shotgun is sometimes uh, terrifying enough to have an effect it it'll, it absolutely and i i just remember on you know on traffic stops uh when things were not going well and, and roll up as a backup officer you pull a shotgun out and you rack around in and it catches people's attention right now and they know it's serious business and things calm down you know so yeah yeah absolutely there uh, now i live in the uh in the county not in the city so you're one of the but your office is a county office correct correct so you're one of the people I can vote for if I want to. That's correct. So, and, uh, well, that's now not living in the city, though. I, I don't vote for a lot of things, the city council, mayor, and all that kind correct. of stuff. So the the county, uh, help me understand the difference, between, the intersection between the city, the county, and then the state in terms of law enforcement. Well, obviously, the state patrol has jurisdiction statewide. Um, okay. They, they concentrate a lot on the highways, but they have a criminal interdiction. They have a criminal unit and and a drug unit and those kinds of things. Um, but they, um, and, and 
in in a smaller counties um, that don't have a lot of law enforcement, they work and they help a lot with local police departments and sheriff's offices. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the city uh, handles crimes and issues that occur within the city limits of Lincoln, and then we handle uh, all of those issues that happen outside the city limits of Lincoln. So Lancaster County is about 864 square miles. Mm-hmm. There are 23 towns and villages and cities. Only one of those has its own police department, which is Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And so the remainder of those cities and villages and, and towns rely upon us for law enforcement protection mm-hmm. and and for all the acres developments and those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, we handle, we handle all the, the activities in that area. Now, in Lancaster County and Lincoln, we have a great working relationship with the police department. We have a number of joint units, um, and, and thankfully we don't have enough uh, of one particular crime or another to warrant standing up a unit to handle that. So, um, you know, we have fatal crash investigators, as does LPD. When, you know, when they need help, we'll go help. If we need help, they'll come help us. Mm-hmm. We have a joint officer-involved shooting team. So if one of my deputies is involved in a shooting, Lincoln police officers who have been trained in that sort of thing would conduct that investigation. Uh, when uh, State Patrol and Lincoln police were involved in shooting up on the interstate here um, a year ago or so, we conducted the investigation into that shooting. So we work very closely with our, our law enforcement partners, UNLPD, State Patrol, Lincoln police. Uh, we have a number of joint units that work together and uh, it, it really is to the taxpayers' benefit for us to really make the, the maximum use of our resources and help one another out. Yeah. I, yeah, I always forget about the university because uh, they have their own... They own their own police department, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and so all these things intersecting. Uh, is there anything that the uh, yourself and the chief of police and so forth that you do to just kind of keep those lines open and keep, uh, keep a relationship going and communication going? Well, you know, we have... Uh, those groups uh, have meetings just like every other group, and yep. and if there's an issue that comes, we have lots of uh, memorandums of understanding that spells out the rules of of how we're going to operate these units, and and if there's an issue, we'll get together, tweak those rules if we need to, uh, modify them, whatever the case may be, and so uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's a good working relationship. That's awesome. That's awesome. One last break, and we'll come back in just a moment, and we'll do a little shameless plug, and uh, and we'll uh, talk about well, just a couple other questions I had about uh, about uh, the the job that you do, which is very challenging, and uh, <laughs> all of our jobs are challenging in a different way. That's right. But uh, but uh, at least most of the time, my uh, my uh, job doesn't involve life and death. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> it's a friendly fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. It's a friendly fire Saturday here talking to Sheriff Jerry Wagner. And uh, he is running for re-election. And, uh, and after... Uh, uh, after this term, it's that's it. That's it. You're going to be doing, that, but and it's, I did not know that you had been basically unopposed for virtually all those elections. Six terms I've been unopposed. Six yes. terms, but this one time you are opposed. I am. So I've, I actually that's what surprised me because I saw these these signs, yard signs with your name on it. And it's like, huh? 
I don't think usually you probably did some anyway, even if you were running on a. You didn't. No, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have to go raise money and and uh, buy all those things and spend uh, the money. You know, that's the, that's the most difficult thing about running for office. Is, yes, is going to my friends and saying, you know, I'd sure like to have a donation. Can you help me out? And yeah. it's uh, it's it's not an easy thing to do. That's no question about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, but that's so you're you're putting up signs and doing the things and getting the that's, word out. That's correct. Uh, is there a how do is, if I want to put a sign in my yard? What what, what would I do? Well, um, I've got a website, you know, terrywagnerforsheriff.com, mm-hmm. and uh, you can, can go to that site and uh, give us – there's phone numbers there. There's an mm-hmm. uh, email address. You can email us, whatever. Give me a call. We'll get a sign to you. Yeah. You can pick signs up at the Republican Party headquarters down on N Street. So there's a number of ways you can get them, and we'd be glad to put one in your yard for you. There you go, and I'm and I'm in the county, so okay. I get I get all those county voters out That's there. Right. That's right, out in the country. Speaking of living in the country, on more than one occasion, uh, we'll you know people people live out in the country because they want some extra freedom and liberty and latitude, and and then I always my wife and I go back and forth on this because you know you know it's it's just completely you know random uh, uh, idea, but you know say somebody is like firing weapons after dark or they're shooting off fireworks or something like that or there's something after 10 o'clock and so we I just have, I'm kind of of the you know just let it go it'll be it'll eventually be over no big deal and she is more of the mindset no we need to call the sheriff's office so somebody knows what's going on who, who do you side with well it never hurts to call and we'll we'll check things out make sure it's yeah. legal you know you have to be so many feet from another house if you're going to be shooting it's yeah. not illegal to shoot in the county. Yeah. Obviously, we have hunters out there all the time. Yep. So we just want to make sure that the other folks uh, in close proximity are safe from any gunfire. So that's the first thing. Yep. Uh, fireworks, they can pretty much be fired, shot year-round um, mm-hmm. in the county. But at 1 in the morning, that, <laughs> that, there, there's a reasonable factor there. So yeah. is it disturbing people's peace? Yeah. So... After Nebraska makes their first football touchdown, uh, you might hear some fireworks go off. Mm-hmm. That's not so bad at 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night. Yeah. That's bad at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, yeah, there's, there's a, we'll be glad to check it out if it's a problem, uh, e- even a disturbing the peace type of situation. We'll take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just don't, you know, it's like the, I'm, a, I'm a classic Nebraskan. I don't want to be a bother. You know? Well, I get a kick out of people that move out in the county for the first time. And then they start hearing gunfire around the 1st of November. Well, it's pheasant season, so yeah. you're going to hear people shooting. Yeah. And um, it, it's it's kind of a funny issue because we're on a joint communication system with mm-hmm. the police department. When there's gunfire in Lincoln, it's a big deal. Mm. When there's gunfire in a county, it's not such a big <laughs> deal because it could be hunters if it's deer season, yeah. if it's pheasant season, whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting difference in philosophies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. Uh, by the way, the so when do those rules kick in? Because I'm fairly close to the city, but I'm in. I'm, I'm outside the limits. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, how far outside the city limits do you have to be to where the basically the more relaxed? Is it just immediately outside the one city foot? Limits? Okay, yeah. that's it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but you still have to be 200 yards from a dwelling, and you know you have to you have to be be safe about it. Yeah, that that's yeah. the bottom line. You have to be safe about it. So. Uh, it's it's legal to fire a firearm in in the county anywhere in the county you know outside the city limits, mm-hmm. but you have to you have to make sure it's safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, we also have the bike trail not far behind our house, and so I've uh, you know we've we've asked hunters who who hunt in our woods to 
either bow hunt or uh, I don't know if there is a safe way to rifle hunt uh, when you're that close to something like that. Well, the only way to be safely do that is if the bike trail is here, get on the downrange side of it. I mean, gotcha. if the hunter's got his back toward the back bike trail and is hunting the other direction, yeah. that's okay. But it still is unnerving for someone on a bicycle to hear a thirty thirty rifle go off. Yeah. And yeah. so it's uh, another kind of a common sense sort of thing. Most of the bike trails south of town adjoin like Wilderness Park where hunting yes. is not allowed. Yep. So so that's a, you know, there are pl- good buffer zones there for the mm-hmm. bike trails not to be encroaching upon hunting areas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now that uh, and Wilderness Park, what a great gift! It's a, mm-hmm. it's, a it's a wonderful park, but uh, you see uh, hunt mushrooms, not uh, deer, when you're in, <laughs> in Wilderness Park. Uh, just uh, about four minutes left. Uh, you mentioned uh, you know, retirement on the horizon, uh, maybe hitting some ballparks. What mm-hmm. else is on that bucket list? Oh gosh, um, you know, this past summer we were able to uh, to go to Normandy on D Day, mm. um, and that's one of those things I'd. We had planned to do in in uh, 2020, and then that got put off by, by COVID. Really, a great experience. There are a number of. I'd like to go to Ireland. I didn't go for the game, and I'd like to go to Ireland. There's, you know, some things. Gosh, I'd really like to go to this place or that place. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll do that. And you know, I've got four grandsons as well, mm-hmm. uh, along with our, uh, you know, my wife and I, have six children. So, you know, we've got. We've got some obligations there that we need to take care of too. <laughs> yes, that was uh, that's an awesome thing to be able to just say, "Hey, let's go." Are any of them close, or are they all far away places? Uh, we had, uh, to the well, they're, they're close, mostly in Omaha um, okay. and Lincoln, and so uh, yeah. And one of my grandsons just started the University of Kansas, so he's a Jayhawk. He got oh, a scholarship boy. down there, so pretty proud of him. And yeah. and my other grandson lives out in Colorado, so yeah. <laughs> well, you want to go to Colorado to visit him. That's, uh, well, the, uh, everybody wants to go to Colorado, right? Oh, uh, not so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're not a mountain guy. You must be an ocean yeah, guy. I'm, I'm not a big crowd, folks. You know, oh. traffic in Denver and, yeah. and uh, just, uh, yeah, the mountains are nice, and it's, uh, it's fun to kind of cruise around. And, yeah, yeah. I'm not a crowd guy either. That's why we don't go on the Estes side of Rocky Mountain National Park. We're on the Grand Lake side. Okay. Very quiet, very peaceful. And uh, uh, and yet, uh, it's I think I think Grand Lake is what Estes used to be like back in the fifties or something like that. I think you're right. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's a neat place up there. Yeah, it really yeah, is yeah. pretty. That's great. Um, the uh, when, by the way, when are these elections coming up? Because I was looking at my calendar. It's like, is this is this right around no, the corner? November eighth. It is November. 8th. November eighth. So we're okay. looking at you know thirty seven days away. Um, is this this is the election? There isn't this, like a runoff. This is the election. Okay. May, the May was the primary, you know, to whittle it down to one person from each party, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. uh, the, the general election is November eighth. Okay, November eighth, and it, it, people need to get out and vote. Uh, they just need to get out and let their voice be heard, and get out mm-hmm. and vote. It's really mm-hmm. important. Yeah, absolutely, and I uh, I will be doing that. I'm okay. like uh, out in the country. They've bounced around my polling precinct many times. Now I go to Hickman, which is like I can't go to Roca anymore. It's like, they make me go all the way to Hickman. So I don't know what that's about. Uh, but it's uh, uh, hey, we're, I'm really glad to be in a in a place where I have that opportunity to yep. to vote. It's a good thing. Yep. It always disturbs me when we have you know thirty or forty percent voter turnout and i'm thinking gosh darn we we should have 95 97 percent voter turnout we you know people 
need to realize how important yeah. it is that they vote. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't take that. It's not that hard to get uh, uh, get familiar with the, the issues. Right. And figure out what's going on. Yeah. Know, know your candidates, know what the issues are, and then make sure your voice gets heard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I just want on behalf of, again, my listeners and myself, uh, uh, there aren't that many people who've served 50 years in this community. Uh, I don't, you know, they're, uh, wow. I, I don't know where that list would be. Uh, and so to, to be in public service for as long as you have been and, uh, and all the heartburn that goes with, with the kind of job that you have, uh, just on behalf of myself and on behalf of uh, my listeners in the community, uh, thank you. Thank you. I, yeah. It's been a pleasure, really, honestly, yet. It's a pleasure to work in Lincoln, Nebraska, as opposed to other areas of the country. It really is a good place to work and be a law enforcement officer where people appreciate us mm-hmm. and treat us decently. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and again, uh, just being a, a, a part of the community for basically, you know, I mean, your whole career. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a that's a super cool thing. So, uh, again, uh, thanks for your service. Thank you. Uh, I've been talking today with uh, Sheriff Terry Wagner. He's running for re-election campaign coming up November eighth, and uh, uh, glad to have him in the studio today. I leave you saying as I always do to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week. Thank you.